My view, two truths. Like so many of us, I am pained by the suffering of all who call the far eastern shore of the Mediterranean Sea home. This includes the Palestinian people, who have been killed and exiled from their homes by Israel. I painfully carry with me the reality that from Deir Yassin to Sabra and Shatila, Palestinians suffer oppression and humiliation daily at Jewish hands, paying for the egregious sins of the Roman, Ottoman and British empires, to say nothing of Christian Europe, none of which they had anything to do with. This also includes the Jewish people some of whom, like my family, returned to our ancestral homeland after millennia of exile, some fleeing centuries of persecution in Europe that culminated in the Holocaust, others expelled from their homes in the Middle East and North Africa, who comprise the majority of Israel's Jewish population. As virtually every Jewish prayer testifies, during the centuries we were in exile, we never abandoned hope of returning home to Israel. There are at least two truths crammed into that narrow sliver of land known as Palestine by some and Israel by others, and it can be incredibly painful to hold on to both of them. However, the root of violence is the belief that only my truth matters, but your truth is not. I know and acknowledge that in the long years in which the vast majority of Jews were in exile from our homeland, another people, the Palestinians, put down their own deep and meaningful roots in that land. For more than a century, these two deeply traumatized nations, each of which has been formed in part by their suffering, have fought war after war in the misguided hope that this time, violence and coercion will set them free. Violence might neutralize an immediate threat, but it never sets us free, and never truly liberates us from conflict. Amid countless stories of war and violence the Hebrew Bible offers a path for transforming conflict which I believe can help us here. We are taught, Exodus 25:20, that in the construction of the ancient holy ark, there are to be representations of two divine beings, standing with their arms outstretched, as if in surrender, each one facing the other. The Torah teaches that it is there, between those beings facing each other with openness and vulnerability, that the Holy One meets humanity. I'm an American Jew with deep and strong connections to the people, state and land of Israel, but I am not a policymaker, a soldier or even an Israeli. Bibi Netanyahu and Ismail Haniyeh can reach for guns in the deluded hope that they will force their opponents into submission in the second century of this conflict, despite the failure of that approach during the first century of this conflict. I don't think there is anything I can do to dissuade them from that destructive path. And we can replicate that dynamic here, reaching not, thank God, for guns, but for the symbolic power of the Beacon City Council, hoping that if the council agrees with us, we can coerce them to seeing things our way. We can choose to do that, but we don't have to. Here in Beacon, we can draw on our own traditions to do something better. In 1977, there were several days of violence along racial lines in our small city. In that moment, wise-hearted leaders came together to create opportunities for dialogue and growth, not more coercive violence. That led to the spirit of Beacon Parade, and that is the spirit of Beacon we need. If the city council decides to pass a simple declaration denouncing only Israel, or Hamas, for that matter, it will have no impact on the horrific loss of life there, but it will strain, if not shred, the social fabric here in Beacon. We can and should do better than that. Even if those we love in Israel and Palestine cannot yet do so, I hope that, when the tensions of the Middle East are so palpable in Beacon, the City Council will embrace the spirit of 1977 and lead us on a path of dialogue and reconciliation.